This is the Side Hustle Show with Nick Loper, episode 30. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. Hey everybody, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. This is episode 30, the big 3-0. If you've been around since day one, which is like seven people, thank you for sticking with me. And if you joined in somewhere along the way, thank you as well. Uh, you know, we're coming off Thanksgiving weekend, so I guess I'm just feeling a little bit thankful. And, uh, you know, there's some good stuff in the archives here. So if you find yourself with some free time, maybe traveling over the holidays, grab a few episodes that sound interesting and put a little side hustle in your earbuds. You can find all the episodes at sidehustlenation.com slash podcast. Well, I'm back from my awesome adventure in Japan and Southeast Asia. It was a ton of fun playing tourist and digital nomad and I'm just grateful to to have had the opportunity and to have the experience. It's still actually a little bit weird being at home, but I'm happy to be here, happy to be back on the treadmill desk, back into a routine. And let's face it, it's just nice to sleep in your own bed after a while. When when Bryn went back to work the other day, it was weird because we realized that was the longest we'd been apart in six weeks. I think she might have been a little happy to uh, get away from me for a while. But enough of that. Today's show is about real estate investing as a side hustle. Nick Ruiz is here. He's going to walk us through how he earns up to $20,000 per deal without putting any of his own money at risk. Sounds too good to be true? Well, we're going to find out. So how do we connect? Actually, Nick told me he, uh, he searched hustle in iTunes and the show showed up. How awesome is that? All right, let's get into it. Hey, Nick, welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Thanks for having me, Nick. So Nick, a uh, great name, by the way, is also a, um, so Nick's a real estate investor and blogs at RecycledGoGetter.com, where he shares his journey and the journey of other entrepreneurs who built their businesses from scratch. Because once you strip everything away, that's really where we all start. But today's show is about investing in real estate. And it's something that, um, well, you know, what's, what's the adage? It's the only thing they're not making more of. But Nick, any other reasons yep. why you like investing in property? Well, I like real estate because it's something anybody can get into. You don't have to create anything necessarily. Um, it's just a unique business model because it just exists and you just have to make sure you get into it properly. And if you do want to exit, exit properly. Okay. You're not, you don't have to create a product or come up with a genius idea. So I would say, and it creates short-term income along with long-term wealth. So kind of full circle, it's, it's one, it still is regardless of other opportunities and new emerging opportunities online and everything else. It's one of the greatest business models since the beginning of time. I mean, this investment goes back hundreds and thousands of years, period, you know? Right, I kind of like that. It's not chasing the, uh, you know, the latest shiny object or, or, you know, online marketing idea, but it's uh, it's something that's been around forever and will continue to be around. Bingo. Yep, that's exactly right, Nick. So, do you prefer the kind of, uh, you know, buy and hold monthly cash flow strategy, or are you looking for quick flips typically? Well, let me tell you, I got to go back a little bit here. Um, I started. Um, when I was 19 and there's a whole long story we can build up to if you want, but the bottom line is I 
gained a multi-million dollar net worth in my early 20s, okay? Um, I bought and held a lot of properties. I bought, rehab, sold a lot of properties. I wholesaled a lot of properties, which really catapulted me. And that's where you flip properties you don't even own. So you don't need any cash or credit. And this is kind of, the, this is what I teach my, you know, certain people that I coach, um, this strategy because anybody can do this. Okay. You don't need cash. You don't need credit. Um, you can flip properties and make five, 10, 15, $20,000, um, flipping a property that you just basically control. And it takes a couple hours of your time. It's unbelievable. So currently I'm doing a lot of flipping and I used to hold a lot of properties. I had 65 buildings in my city at one point Wow! in my mid twenties. I had a hundred tenants. I, you know, I bought and sold hundreds, hundreds of properties, but, um, you know, what happened was in 2008, we all know the big real estate crash hit the nation. Okay. Bank, banks, 100 plus year old banks collapsed. Big landlords, small landlords. Johnny and Sally, homeowner, got upside down on their sink, just the house they own, you know, their primary residence. Everybody went upside down. Okay. So I had a lot of leveraged properties with big mortgages on them. Some of these places I owe 80, 90, thousand and after the collapse you could buy him for like 15 i mean just stupid so i was so underwater that i was forced into bankruptcy okay um which was the greatest thing in my entrepreneurial career by the way bankruptcy and i I sincerely do, do tell i sincerely mean that um I got. i became really successful at a very young age okay i had 50 60 thousand $70,000 $70,000 months uh, with rental revenue. I was flipping like a madman, making 20, 30 grand for like an hour's worth of work. Okay. I mean, crazy. I built up a big portfolio and I got kind of maybe arrogant and just did, was doing things maybe the wrong way. You know, I was a young dude, whatever. Um, so, the, in a nutshell, I, I rose to, to that point and uh, it was, that was a great learning experience in itself because I learned how to manage just all kinds of stuff. But then, it just gave me a whole new perspective. Bankruptcy. Like I was just like, whoa, like I'm not untouchable. Um, anything can happen. It taught me how to recognize an economic bubble. And I'm not just talking about real estate. Like it could be any asset class. It just gave me a clearer picture. So I'm so glad it happened to me now instead of when I was when I'm sixty trying to retire too. So what so what so, forced the bankruptcy? Just being over leveraged and no longer over leveraged. And then it was a matter of um, the city was on me. I had a lot of inner city properties at the time that were really over leveraged, and it was just, just such a. There were so many holes, Nick. I guess is the best way I can visualize it. This was a big ship, and there were so many holes. And I was running to plug this, running to plug that, and by the time I plugged that one, this one, the, you know, the cork came out of it again, and just it, it was like a a perfect storm of events yeah. between the over leveraging the city, the way the tenants were at the time. It just there was this really perfect storm. Is the only way I can describe it, where it was just like whoa. The like plug as, is getting as long as everything continues to, um, you know, go up and up, um, you know, it's the perfect business. But then once the crash came, kind of those holes started to become more and more uh, exposed. Yeah. And let me add this too. the other problem was I was flipping. I was buying, fixing, selling. Beautiful. That's a beautiful business model. That's phase two of what I teach people, by the way. I start you with wholesaling, then we move into that because there's large checks involved. But I was taking those profits and feeding them. I kept on feeding the rental business at one point. You know, I was losing money because of all the situations I just discussed. And I had to feed that other business. And that didn't make financial sense to me. And, you know, I wanted to make sure my credit stayed perfect in all this because that was my life, my credit, right? Mm-hmm. Borrowing money. I've borrowed millions of dollars. I could walk in any bank I wanted. And, 
it just, you know, it taught me just a lot about making business decisions. And it's like a lot of the things we're conditioned to believe and just, I don't know, it just really broadened my whole entrepreneurship horizon. And I am a 10 times better businessman and entrepreneur because of going down. It taught me how to become more frugal, how to, you know, stretch a dollar, how to make things work in situations where most people would think they wouldn't work. Like anything was able to be figured out. I got super crafty and creative where I, cause I was so forced into it. You follow what I'm, you follow what I'm going? Yeah. I'm going? Yeah. You kind of yeah. uh, painted, painted into a corner and you got to do whatever you can. Did did you ever yeah. see? Did you ever see the um, documentary? Like it's called the uh, House of Cards, the Queen of Versailles, or something. It's like about this couple in Florida, uh, timeshare mogul and his like you know thirty years younger wife, and she's like come totally out of touch, and and he's like trying to save the company from like just collapsing in the in the real estate bubble and you just like you can see the stress that's like on his shoulder and meanwhile she's like going out and buying all this crap that they don't need oh. and he's just like yeah, I don't know. I, I, felt like he, I, I haven't heard of that, but I, I that sounds interesting. It's, it's on Netflix. Um, you should check it out. But you saw the stress. You're saying you literally could just see this dude like freaking out. And that's where I was at. Like I was just like, whoa, dude. Like I've always been extremely successful financially. Like this this is not my norm. Yeah. And uh and again, it just it, it the the lessons learned. Um I don't obviously suggest or recommend it upon anybody, but I will say that um if you do go through I mean the most successful entrepreneurs in the world have filed bankruptcy. That's like a statistic at least once in their life. <laughs> um look at Donald Trump. I mean he was, went from, you know, hundreds of millions to negative net worth to so I'm just saying it just it, it was an unbelievable learning experience that I that I'm extremely grateful happened to me. Well, somebody in a crazy uh, sounding way. Somebody once told me, you know, if you're not uh, a millionaire or uh, bankrupt by the time you're 30, you're not really trying. <laughs> and I was both <laughs> by the time I was 30, so I guess I was trying a little bit. All right. Well, yeah. let's let's kind of go through this stuff. So the pushback on real estate is it's 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 expensive. There's um, it, there's not a lot of transparency. There's a lot of um, you know, legal paperwork and kind of there's some intimidation factor there. Uh, do I need a real estate license? So let's kind of walk through, maybe we can do kind of a hypothetical sure. deal. Um, if I'm, you start out with me, pretend I'm your coaching client. Like how do I, okay. um, if you say you start out with wholesaling? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Very so easy. let's start. What is wholesaling? And, and f- for Nick, how would I get started? Okay. Wholesaling is where you are more or less a middleman. You're going to find a great deal at a great price. You're going to, and I, and these are broad strokes. I can go into more detail if you want, but I just want to sum up what it is. Then you find a buyer at a higher price, connect the two, you collect the difference, period. So you don't have to buy it. You don't have to go through the process of buying the property, which by the way, isn't as timid, is intimidating as people may believe. Buying and selling real estate, it's not that tedious of a process. But bottom line, wholesaling is, yeah, you, you connect the seller, you connect the buyer, you collect the difference. And some of those differences can be enormous. I mean, my largest one of my life was 39000 That's literally 39000 for putting in about a total of like two hours worth of work. I mean, that's that's an insane situation. That's a pretty nice hourly wage, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. 
work trips, client meetings, industry conferences. With Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So what's to, exactly. stop, what's to stop the seller from finding your buyer... Um, and kind of cutting out the middleman here, because okay, wouldn't they the wouldn't they want to get the full price for their property? That, that's a great question. Um, number one, the people I'm buying from are extremely motivated to sell, so they know they're selling at a discount because you're solving some type of life problem. You're you okay? Either the people's the seller that I buy from has two situations: either their situation in life is distressed where they need to sell for a specific reason or the property is distressed and a lot of times both you know they have an extremely pounding headache and I'm their aspirin and it's okay they know they're not getting the exact amount but they can't sell it conventionally because the house needs work and there's a lot of red tape they don't want to deal with hi I'm Nick I can pay cash and close tomorrow and by the way I don't hire home inspectors so there's not going to be any bs clean easy so what's so they sign my offer they are under contract to sell it to me yet. Um, I'm actually doing a case study on Facebook right now that I'm posting the whole thing through. I'm buying a house for $2,500, and I'm selling it for $10,000. $2,500 rare. I, Where are you going to find a house for $2,500? It, it's the cheapest house I literally <laughs> ever bought. It, are you in Detroit or something? <laughs> you don't sound like no, you're I'm from in, Detroit. No, I'm in Milwaukee, <laughs> but listen, it, uh, um, the, the basement was really sagging. I mean, it was like a very, very crazy foundation uh, issue. And in fact, this one, and you'll see in the case study, I'm going through it on video on Facebook and I'm posting my contracts and everything because people want to know this stuff. But yeah, 2500 and I'm selling it for 10 So I'm going to make $7,500 for you know, a couple hours of phone calling and driving to the property and, and, uh, and this and that. Um, so the seller can't go behind my back, though, because they have a signed contract with me. I wrote them a contract for 2500 They sign it. That's a contract. If someone walked in tomorrow and said, I'll give you 100000 for it, 
they can't sell it because they're under contract with me. Now the house isn't, you know, I'm not stealing this house. The house is a total dump. Um, and they know that they just want to, they're trying to move to Arizona. The how the city's on them for doing all these repairs and the last tenant screwed them over. They just want out. Okay. Okay. So I call one of my buyers who I knew bought in that area and I said, well, you know, what can you give me? And we negotiated and he gave me, he wrote me an offer for 10,000. Now this deal is extra unique because on top of there being no risk in, in wholesaling, there's no risk in wholesaling. That's why I start people here. You're not risking your credit. You're not risking large amounts of capital. Um, and it's, you don't need to buy or sell anything. So I, I don't care who you are. You can wholesale properties. This one was extra non-risky because I actually convinced the seller to give me a copy of the key. Um, so I could bring somebody in to look at the basement, which I kind of knew where it was at, but I just left that door open because that was technically not a lie. I don't like lying to people. And then I brought in my buyer first and we negotiated 10000 And then I went back to the seller and offered 2500 So I immediately printed a $7,500 paycheck. Okay. Um, so usually I write the contract first cause you know, I know what values are. They're not easy. They're not hard to figure out, but this particular deal, the, the foundation was so bad. I honestly almost was ready to turn it down, but I figured I'd take a quick shot and I'm glad I did cause now I have 7,500 bucks. Okay. So the second guy comes in at 10 grand and he's yes. going to have to incur all of the fixing expenses. So that's, that's all on him. And you say there's no risk in writing this purchase contract. Now what happens if you don't find a buyer, I have a clause that says this offer and I'm, I've been doing this a long time. So I am so personally savvy that I personally don't have this clause in here. But what I would teach you as my new student is this offer. It's a simple clause. You can add it to any offer to purchase in any state. This offer is contingent on my partner's approval. Okay. That is a general statement where your partner could be your dad, your wife, anybody, and there's nothing concrete enough that would allow you to get sued there, okay? This offer's contingent on my partner's approval. Okay. And if your partner says, no, now if they get real finicky about time frames and this and that, well, you, you know, some people say, well, you have a week to figure out if your partner's going to approve this or not, and I'll honor that, you know? Um, and again, I'm so savvy on who my buyers and what they're going to buy that I don't even need that clause. But for new students, absolutely. You throw that clause in there and, you know, sorry, my partner didn't approve it and you walk away. What if you don't find a buyer is your question. But I do teach people how to make sure that they have a solid group of buyers before they try to find their first deal. So that rarely ever happens. But you are insulated from any risk using that clause, Nick. Okay. And then if you don't, that's the thing is like they're, they're, distressed like you said they're they need to sell sell in a hurry and that's why they're yes. accepting such a discounted rate um yeah but what's i mean what's to stop them from finding your buy i guess i guess if i'm sitting on an asset even if it's a dump like i would want to get as much as i could from it it feels they're, they're extremely motivated sellers and that is the the trick of this whole business when sellers are motivated you have to understand i've been doing this for a long time it's it's been proven by me personally but many people nationwide, like when a seller is motivated, they are like a freight train trying to get rid of their headaches. I'm telling you, it happens all the time. I've bought and sold hundreds of deals from sellers just like this. When, when the city's on you and threatening to take you to court for not doing the repairs, your last tenant just ripped everything apart and it's going to cost you twenty five, thirty thousand. Remember, you can't get you have to go to a guy like me. This house is so distressed, you can't put it on the market and have Johnny homeowner come in and write you an offer who's gonna live there. Okay. 
a bank won't even finance a property like this. So you are limited. It's not like you can put it on the market okay. and have, you know, open houses on Sundays. Okay, I mean, these so we're talking about pretty dumpy places. Some of them aren't that dumpy, but a lot of the, but a lot of the, this particular We're talking property, about a $2,500 house. <laughs> well, yes, I was going to say this particular case study that I'm doing is di- just disgusting. They can't put it on the market. Their buyers would run out. Buyers wouldn't even enter the front door right. on a property like this. So I you know, and my students are able to come in and solve these people's problems. And they're in every city in the country, period. Okay. So multiply that figure times 100 and you're getting closer to uh, what we're looking at here in California. But let's... Right. let's uh, and it's relative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's back it up and say, how do... How do I find these motivated sellers if I'm looking to get into this game? Okay. And by the way, I just want to comment on, you know, because everyone's like, I'm in California. I'm in, you know, Manhattan. I'm in, um, you know, whatever, Miami. Okay. There's two neighborhoods that I teach my students to focus on where you're going to make all your money, wholesaling and flipping and even rentals, which I teach. That's the third phase of what I teach. And I, and, and since some of my bank, Bankruptcy, by the way, I teach them how to do it without mortgages and be very crafty with their money to pay cash rentals. Tougher in some cities, but that's the final stage anyway. But I don't care where you are. There's two neighborhoods you need to focus on. Lower end rentals, which is who you're going to wholesale. You're going to wholesale to two people. You're going to wholesale to landlords that hold properties in like kind of blue collarish neighborhoods. And you're going to wholesale to flippers who flip homes in first time homebuyer neighborhoods. So where you are right now, Nick. Do you pretty much have an idea of where like first time home buyers would buy their first starter house? You know, they just got married. The wife is pregnant. They're going to buy an average house. What's that price tag? Um, I don't know. Maybe four fifty, five hundred. What city are you in, by the way? <laughs> this is in uh, the Bay Area. So I'm about forty minutes east of San Francisco. Okay. God, if you went into the well, city, it would be <laughs> eight hundred yeah. or a mil. Okay, right, right, right. First time home buyer. Um, now, do you have any municipality? I mean, that is a very unique market, by the way. San Francisco is in a kind of a league of its own. I mean, even nationwide. But like, but like you said, if you're doing these contracts where you're not putting any of your own money um, into the deal, you're just finding, you're trying to find you no risk. motivated sellers. You're not, you're not, you're not writing checks for twenty percent of that amount. So that that kind of no overcomes risk. the first. Um, the first hurdle of real estate is that a it's expensive, but let's so yeah. we're we're looking now in these two neighborhoods, and how are you are you like you know going door to door trying to find people looking to sell? How are you no. getting people to uh, contact you? In fact, that's the wrong way, and it actually sucks because a lot of these gurus are teaching people this thing called driving for dollars or cruising for cash. In fact, I was just talking to someone yesterday who had an issue, you know, they're teaching people to look, drive around, look for overgrown uh, grass and, you know, dumpy looking places and send them letters. You're going to run out of gas money. Okay. You need to be marketing to absentee owners. Um, you're going to you're going to try to get into probate listings. You're basically, you know, you're going to put signs, you can do billboards. There's multiple ways, but it's like any other business marketing. You need your phone ringing and it's a numbers game. Okay. The more leads you have, the more chance you are of clo- finding that, that motivated seller. Most leads are total junk. You need to find motivated sellers, and that takes time. So, and that takes a certain amount of leads. So are these the people um, you know, with the roadside signs that say, we'll buy your house for cash today? You know, ugly, we those buy ugly houses. I, yes, and that is a strategy that works. I've made a lot of money with, with banded signs. Not as much anymore because uh, you know, there's other ways to find better deals. Um, there's networking with certain types of attorneys that I show people how to do. Um, 
where the attorneys refer you to their clients who might be going bankrupt, who might be getting divorced, who someone might have passed away and the, the inheritors and, uh, you know, have a property they need to get rid of. So there's, believe me, it's, it sounds, I'm telling you, there's so many reasons why people sell at a discount. It's how I became financially dependent and maintain it. And, and that's just me. Like people sell houses at a discount seven days a week in every state in the nation. Okay, but it sounds like the key here is to get these um, sellers to contact you yes. before it hits the market. Once it hits the MLS, once it hits the open market, the, the marketplace it's is very efficient, it. right? Like you, you don't want to fight. Yeah, it's very efficient and very competitive, and that's where top dollar starts happening. I don't fight for deals. I Most of my houses I buy, I'm the only buyer. That the seller knows about and is is engaging with. Okay. I don't fight for deals. I don't look on MLS. Okay. I mean, there once in a while I'll check a few things out, but for the most part, because there's because if if I know everybody knows about it, everyone knows about right. it. If there's a if there is truly a good deal which comes through MLS, which a lot of times there are, there's a hundred offers on it. Yeah. Okay. I don't play that game. That's not a sustainable business model. May, you might get one every couple of years and get lucky, but that's not a sustainable business model that allows you to make a full-time living year after year after year. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. Ands.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Okay. So buying, uh, you know, being the only buyer in, um, in the game, that's a good place to be in, but I'm still You're in the driver's seat <clears throat> and I'm sorry to keep uh, hammering this home. Like where do you get to be in that driver's seat? Like how do you, um, give us, give us one or two of your marketing tips for, for becoming that buyer first in mind, um, from these motivated sellers. Well, 
the first thing you can do is market to absentee owners. Okay. Okay. How do you find an absentee owner? There's list companies that you can go to that will give you these lists for different zip codes, period. It's, it's really that simple. You find them and you market to them and you send direct mail to them. Okay. Direct mail to absentee owners. Yes. How much does the list cost? Um, about 20 cents a lead and then the letters can be uh, right around a buck. Postcards are cheaper. Postcards you can catch for like 50 cents, 49, 50 cents. And direct, by the way, this marketing is expensive. I want to make that clear. Yeah. Um, but it, if you don't do it, don't try to get, don't, you have to do this. And it, it's expensive. See, it's relative though, because I think to start a business by sending out a few mailings is peanuts. To start a real business, that's, that's peanuts. To start a real business, right? That's nothing. Couple grand, not even sometimes. But you have to market to the right people and you need your phone ringing. And most leads are junk. But when you get one out of a thousand at work, you, you don't care about those other 999 that didn't fly. Okay. So one out of a thousand, say it costs you a thousand dollars to get that lead. That's pretty cheap uh, when we're talking about making five, 10, 20 when you're, on, a, on a wholesale yeah. deal. I'll trade a thousand for five all day, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Bingo. Okay. And five is usually one of the lower amounts that you'd make on a whole. I, I help my students make four to five on the low end. I mean, put it this way. Are you going to turn down a $2,500 profit when you just have to sign a few forms and go to a closing? Of course not. But you want to make sure you can make you know, a good five grand. You know, you work that into your uh, equation. Okay. Let's grab a, a link for you. We'll throw it in the show notes on uh, where to find these marketing lists for the, uh, for the absentee owners. Now, does the mail go to their vacant house or does it go to you know, their LLC? It goes to the owner's address, which is nice. Okay. It goes to the owner's address, not the address of the property you're marketing to. Okay, okay. Because that would never get to them. A lot of times they're vacant or there's some loser tenant in there that, gotcha. you know, isn't paying their rent or whatever. Gotcha. You know? Now, do you have the address of the property? So you can be like, hey, your house on, you know, Maple Street? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. All right. So what's, uh, what's the next step after you've got a hot lead like this? Well, you have to filter and screen them and uh, make sure they are worth talking to. Because if you talk to every lead for 10 minutes, you're going to be on the phone 24 hours a day. Okay. okay. How do you tell uh, the good from the bad? Well, when someone calls you, you need to find out. I always like to find out why are they selling. Okay. I, um, you you want to make sure you totally... You, you want to give it a, a minute to really find out. Get the, Catch their tone of voice. There's different subtle cues but the main thing is why are you selling you know what what triggers you to sell you know and you want to be very polite and pleasant a lot of people are pissed a lot of people are pissed that you 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 mail to them and they'll yell at you for that and take me off your list blah 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 okay you'll get immune to that quickly because that's going to happen consistently so okay you know why are they taking why are they taking time out of their day to you uh, you would ask you would ask that i ask that same (laughs) question because when i get a flyer from the grocery store about you know steaks or a dollar off a pound and I have no interest, I'm not going to call them and say, stop sending me. These. I mean, it's junk mail, period. You know what I mean? Leave it, you know. Yeah. But people do take the time to do it, believe it or not. Okay. Um, so anyways, you get them on the phone, you ask them, you know, questions like, you know, why, what, what, what triggers you to sell or what made you want to call me? Some people just are curious. Hey, and, and, and some people say, well, anything's for sale at the right price. That's not a motivating <laughs> seller. You're, you're finding cues for motivation. Okay. You know, some people that call me, they do want to sell, but they're not motivated enough to um, sell it at a, a price that's reasonable. Okay. Okay. Because um, you got to remember, 
a lot of people think like this is sometimes can be sharky or you are um, you're taking advantage of people and you're not. There is literally a, a full exchange of value. Okay. Yeah, I'm you're glad. receiving a, you're receiving money, but what I'm giving you, or you know, I'm, you're, you're selling at a discounted rate, but what I'm giving you is no real estate commission. Close tomorrow, you can move on with your life. Okay, um, there, there's just an end. You don't have to do any repairs. I mean, that the pain and suffering of dealing with the future endeavors, going through another winter where you're paying energy bills and shoveling snow. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Like, there is a real exchange of value, and that's worth. That's worth the exchange. I mean, people, that's why people are selling for, they, most of the time they know it's a discounted rate, but they're exchanging it for what they're getting in return, which is headache, no more headaches. Do you understand what I'm I'm saying? I'm glad you brought that up because I think, yeah, there is, um, there's maybe a stigma like, hey, I'm taking advantage of these people who are in a distressed situation. There's been a death in the family. There's been a divorce and they're, they're selling at a discount where they, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't agree to the deal if it wasn't in their best interest. Absolutely uh, I not. And I, I won't make a deal unless it is a complete win-win. And I tell both parties that. And a lot of times I advise them on the route to go um, to get the bet- most money. My, one of the first things I tell people is, listen, I'm probably not going to be buying your house from what you're telling me, but this is what I would do if I were you. Or this, these are the people I would call and I would turn them on to the right people. Uh, you see what I mean? Like right. I, I don't want to make a deal unless it's a winning proposition for both parties. And if I do make a deal, there is a real value exchange. This is, you know, they're selling it at a discount, but I'm offering the major value in, in that exchange. So it's very fair. My sellers walk away from every closing table with a smile on their face, okay. period. These people that are getting 2500 from me on this flip are going to be doing a, most likely a video testimonial for me. I mean, these people are happy people. Wow. Okay. So let's go back to something you said just real quick was close tomorrow. And so you're writing the contract. You say, hey, we're going to close tomorrow. But there's no, there's no money changing hands at this point, right? Well, it, we're, and what I mean by that was a little um, – you know, exaggerated, but seven days. Okay. Okay. I mean, so you have seven days to find a buyer. Well, I tell them seven days, but when I write the contract, I usually am realistic and put two weeks on it. I usually try to put it out two weeks. Okay. So I'll push. And if it's, if I think it might be tough to find a buyer and I need to do maybe slight bit of like Craigslist marketing or something, I might even try to push it out a little more. Okay. But anything under 30 days usually makes people happy because houses take longer than that to sell in the traditional way anyway. Right. Um, but obviously, like this one here that I'm closing on Friday, I wrote the offer last Tuesday. So what is that? I mean, that's, uh, you know, uh, 10 four, days, if, 11 days, if, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 10, 11 days, um, which sellers love because that's the thing. Like they can't do a conventional sale that smooth. Everybody hires a home inspector. If you and your wife go buy a house right now, you're going to hire a home inspector. He's going to pull out his clipboard and his red pen. And even if the house is nice, he's going to find little nickel and dime things that the sellers have to correct or make a price concession on. I am contingency free, except for I, my students are, have the partner uh-huh, clause. Contingency. Uh-huh. But there's no inspection contingencies. There's no weasel clauses. There's no financing contingencies. Okay, um, So it's a real clean offer. And that's also another value exchange. That's worth money. The fact that it's a clean offer might be worth five grand. You know, if I bring in a home inspector, he might nick the seller for five thousand dollars on different repairs. So there's always a value exchange, and that's why this all works out. Now, since your you now your buyers are coming in at a higher rate, and so they're getting a little bit closer to the market value. Now, are they going to be looking after the inspections and all of that no, stuff? These are cash as is buyers as well. These are seasoned flippers, and I teach people how to find them. And uh, these seasoned flippers. 
know what they're getting into. And, and it's, it's a clean, easy close. That's the beauty of it. They're paying cash in the whole thing. Their cash actually blankets the whole wholesale transaction. You don't even have to come to closing with money. You know, I don't have to come up with 2500 and then get reimbursed the ten on the back end. I walk into the closing with nothing. His ten thousand pays them their twenty five and me my seventy five, <coughs> minus a couple nickel and dime closing costs. But that, that's the that's the nature of this. Is that awkward when the seller uh, finds out that the real price they was ten? <laughs> no one knows. That's the beauty of a simultaneous closing or a double closing. Um, the the seller doesn't does not know what I did. They think I it was a conventional purchase, and the buyer, um, the buyer doesn't know what I paid for it or anything like that. And my buyers know what I'm doing. They don't care because this guy that's buying it for 10, this is a $75,000 house. Right. Okay. When it's fixed up, it needs a ton of work. It's, he's going to put probably 30, 40 into it. Okay. Um, but, uh, they, they don't care. I mean, I buy from wholesalers from time to time if they present me with the right deal. The reason, and here's the other value exchange. The reason my buyers, even if my buyers knew I was making seventy five hundred, I've had deals. There's another way of doing it where the buyer does know what you're making, and that's called an assignment of contract, which is a, another way that you can wholesale. Um, my buyers have seen me make twenty thousand dollars and know that I'm making it, but they don't care because they know what they're getting it for is drastically reduced from the full retail value once they rehab it. So that's another value exchange. They're willing to pay me seventy five hundred or ten grand in the wholesale fee because I'm bringing them information they never knew about. MLS, everyone has access to. Big deal. I'm presenting them with an address that without me. They never would have known about or been able to buy. And that's why there's a full circle of value exchanged here where everybody truly is a winner. There's three parties. There's the seller, there's the wholesaler, and then there's the end buyer or the rehabber. And it flows beautifully because everyone walks away happy most of the time. All right. Let's, let's move into that next step then is finding – where do you find these, um, these buyers? The buyers – and I teach people to do that before we even look for a deal. I call it the flipping factory. You need setting up your flipping factory is simple. You need to line up the right title company, and I show people how to do that because not all title companies can facilitate these kinds of transactions. Okay, Um, which is fine. You only need to find one, really. Um, But then finding the buyers is a matter of running a few Craigslist ads. And what you do is you you make up some intersection in your town in the areas that you want to start flipping in. Um, and describe it in detail, like, you know, kitchen needs remodeling, needs new carpeting. You know what I mean? You want to describe it as like a rehab or special, I need cash and I got to sell it as is. Okay. Okay. And this is a a fake, this is a fake house. It's a fake house, Okay. but a real intersection. You want to make it sound real. Okay. And and when they call you, you can say things like, you know, I just, Ooh, I just, that one's not available anymore. And, but you know what? I think I might have another one coming up soon over here. What do you like? And then you start asking them different things that they like to buy in what areas, you know, can they pay cash, which is mandatory. And then you, you can easily within five to seven ads over a week or two, you'll gather enough buyers to where you can start looking for deals. But that's the thing. I, I don't teach people to find deals first. That's, that's okay. No, no this, is, this, is, this, is good. this is good. Find, build your, build your database of buyers first. So you're not buyers stuck holding the bag on the, and a lot of quote unquote gurus don't teach that, you know, let's find some deals. You know, everyone wants to run out their door and find good deals. Okay. 
No, 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 no. Let's back up. Okay. And obviously other ways you can go join local real estate groups. Every town has them. There's tons of cash buyers there that are looking for deals all day long. So that's an easy way to grab them. It's not hard to find buyers. So that's your flipping factory. You have all your buyers lined up. You have your title company lined up. Um, in some states, they call it an escrow company or whatever, you know, the, 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 the people that facilitate the transaction and pull title work. And then you start finding your, your, your houses and you plug them into the flipping factory, like an assembly line. And you just start making your money. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's not a complicated process. It really, really is not. So in a typical deal, so it, it may be a little bit, um, messed up because like the time involved in any one particular deal isn't that much, but Hey, it took you some time in investment to like, to find that, to find that seller. Right. But like to do, to do this as a side hustle, right? Like how much time is involved uh, to get started and to kind of maintain it on an ongoing basis? It's a great side hustle, Nick. Honestly, it's one of the greatest side hustles in my opinion. That's how I started. It was a side hustle for me. I think, I think most real estate investors, full-time, uh, it was a side hustle. You know, you have your thing over here and you start doing a deal or two. Okay. The way I started, I would not recommend. And we really didn't get go all the way back into that story. That's a whole nother backstory. <laughs> um, but um, wholesaling is what turned me into a money-making full-time machine. I mean, it really was substantial, you know, and it, and it opened a lot of ca- doors and just I was able to do a lot of rehabbing and flipping. But to for it to be a side hustle, you know, um, Five to ten hours a week, I would think you'd be able to get massive amounts of things done if you were focused. Yeah, you know that's not that much time. Yeah, I just imagine if people could do um, like, what's your deal volume look like when you were when you're doing this part time? Uh, part time buying, a, doing a deal like every other month, I would say. Okay, maybe no, that's yeah, outstanding. Maybe a few deal, a handful of deals every year. Okay. Um, and again, when I was doing it on the side, I was by doing more conventional stuff with, um, getting mortgages and getting duplexes and rental properties. So it was a little different when I started and I do not, the way I started again, I do not recommend, you know, I went through all the bumps and bruises for you. Like you don't have to do what I did anymore. I, I, I did it a different way. So the easiest way is to start wholesaling. And if you can even do, I mean, if, if, if somebody can do three wholesale deals a year where they make 7500 a pop, okay, let's talk real numbers. Like you can make twenty-five dollars to $30,000 a year with, with a very low amount of effort, extra. Yeah, I that's, mean, that's, that's an outstanding side, side hustle. hustle. Yeah, I was going to say, when, you, when we talk side hustle, I think twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year on the side kind of is like the, a side hustle worthy type of income. Oh, for sure. I'd be be cool with that. (laughs) Yeah. So in that, but the beauty of real estate is it's a very rinse and repeat non-genius business. If you can do, if you can do that, if you can do real estate as a side hustle, you can do it. You can make it a main hustle. Uh, that's, that's the beauty of it. I mean, and that's why I love it. And like you said, why would I, why do I love real estate? Because I don't need to keep creating new products or creating new courses or, um, and I love that industry too, by the way, but I'm just saying you don't have to create anything new. You just have to find more deals that are existing in your market. That's the, it's an s- extremely scalable business. Okay. That's awesome. So you said, okay, no, um, no real estate license required, right? Absolutely not. Okay. You can get one if you want, but it's definitely not required. Okay. I, I've never had one to date okay. and I've been investing in real estate since 99. Okay, where can people find resources on the the contracts, the legal stuff? Um, do you have this on on um, 
on your site or where can people go to to kind of get the um, back I mean last contract time? contracts you can get at like your local legal blank store okay and um and these are the ones that I use okay cuz when you're writing an offer to someone yes there's a lot of fancy dancy contracts out there um that you can have made or have an attorney draw one up I always to this day use the standard Wisconsin or in whatever your state would be, um, template, okay, that you get the general one where you fill in the blanks with the address, the price, and the terms because it makes the seller the most comfortable. Everything I do for my deals is to make the seller as happy and as comfortable as possible. So if I present them with some, you know, Word document type of contract that, you know, all these different terms, um, they get nervous. You know, some of these sellers aren't real savvy on real estate transactions. Just because I buy and sell them all the time, this might be the second real estate transaction of their life. Right. The first one being when they bought the property. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that it's it's easy. Go to your local legal blank store and have a general contract where you fill in the blanks. It's going to make the sellers the happiest and the most comfortable. And that's really what this is all about. You don't want to freak sellers out. They're already nervous that they're transacting um, on their house. So. That that's a no brainer. Okay. Use the standard forms. Do not deviate. It's just not worth it. Cool. And then the main um, uh, resource for for people if they want to get more stuff from you is alphahomeflipping.com. Yes, alphahomeflipping.com. Not tons of content on there right now. It's basically I I'm giving people a free report right now. Um, you know, and it's uh you know it shows kind of why people are stuck in the newbie slash part time zone. Um, and yeah, you can opt in with your email address and yeah, it was my bad. I, uh, I downloaded it just before the call, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Check it out. And then in, on the back end of the uh, book, I do, you know, present my coaching options if people uh, want to check them out, but I, you know, I'm going to have, I'm eventually going to start doing some, uh, you know, blog posting and once, you know, down, down the road, but I am doing private one-on-one stuff right now. And I have a Facebook page, uh, you know, facebook.com slash alpha home flipping where, um, I put out free content. I offer the opportunity for people to ask me questions and I'll respond to them. I'm actually doing uh, my first case study, this wholesale flip. I just have a video up. I put a video up there today Um, because people really want it. From what I've noticed in the people that I've helped even for years back, just friends and family, people want to know exactly how I'm doing this. Like a lot of people like learning by literally looking over your shoulder, right? Yeah, for sure. How is Nick doing his exact deals? How is he talking to sellers? What is he exactly saying? Because reading a book and learning this stuff is one thing. Okay. That's why I'm a fan of the one-on-one stuff because I'll go on three-way calls with people um, on my coaching and do whatever they want, like literal handholding. But on Facebook, I'm doing my first case study where you'll watch step-by-step all the way to closing how I do this wholesale deal, which I think is powerful. And I want to start a membership site down the road where people have full access to my deals and like group coaching calls and things like that, which I think is going to offer value to people. You know? Yeah, I think that's great stuff. We'll definitely check out that co- case study and link to it um, yeah. at uh, the show notes, sidehustlenation.com slash episode sure. 30. And Nick, we'll wrap up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation, um, real estate related or not massive action and massive execution will cure all your fears. I mean, I, I just, I believe that cause I live it. Um, I feel like fear is the ultimate paralyzer for entrepreneurs, fear of the unknown fear. They're not good enough fear. They don't look good on camera fear. They don't, you know what anything, I mean, literally, I mean, it's, we all have them, but if you, if you just force yourself to take massive action and execute on a massive level, your fears are cured period. That's my recommendation. 
Love it. Get out there and make something happen. Nick, thanks so much for coming on the show. Check him out, RecycledGoGetter.com and AlphaHomeFlipping.com. Uh, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, Nick. Thanks for having me, man. Bye. And there it is. The only way to get massive results is massive action and massive execution. Though I bet you could start with a little action and a little execution and maybe get a little results, just a little taste to get you going. So what do you guys think about real estate wholesaling as a side hustle? It's something I've read about in the past and um, it was actually pretty fascinating to hear from Nick exactly how he gets it done. And I'm really glad he brought up the part about taking advantage of people because I'll admit it sounded a little bit shady uh, at the onset when I was uh, initially hearing uh, about what he, what he wanted to talk about. So I've always had some interest in real estate, but got, uh, got burned pretty badly in, on our primary residence during the, uh, you know, during the real estate bubble and the, and the crash. So I'm a little bit gun shy these days. What about you? Do you think... Uh, do you think this wholesaling thing could work for you? Like you said, it only takes a few deals a year to make a lifestyle changing side hustle income. Pretty serious stuff. So let me know what you think at sidehustlenation.com slash episode 30 and find all the resources and links mentioned there as well. And, uh, and that's it for me. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for each and every one of you listening. Until next time, go out there and make something happen. And I'll see you next week in episode 31. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com. 